Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out at Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. Thanks to that. Praise the Lord, y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So we continue in this series in which we are examining our legacies, the legacies that we pass on, the legacies that are passed on to us. And to frame that, we're going to be looking at 2 Samuel 7, um, which is a piece of a a great inheritance for, for our lives. So hear now the word of the Lord. And the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make a dynasty for you. When the time comes for you to die and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up your descendant, one of your very own children, to succeed you, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a temple for my name, and I will establish his royal throne forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. Whenever he does wrong, I will discipline him with a human rod, with blows from human beings. But I will never take my faithful love away from him like I took it away from Saul, whom I set aside in favor of you. Your dynasty and your kingdom will be secured forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported all of these words and this entire vision to David. Then King David went and sat in the Lord's presence. He asked, Who am I, Lord God, and of what significance is my family that you have brought me this far? But even this was too small in your eyes, Lord God. Now you have also spoken about your servant's dynasty in the future and the generation to come, Lord God. What more can David say to you? You know your servant, Lord God. For the sake of your word and according to your own will, you have done this great thing so that your servant would know it. That is why you are so great, Lord God. No one can compare to you, no God except you, just as we have always heard with our own ears. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So I don't know about y'all, but I do not trust my iPhone. I woke up this morning and looked at it and thought, is it really this time? Did you really change in the middle of the night? And my watch seems to have changed also, but did it really? What time is it really? So. All of the clocks in my house are not right. When the electricity goes off, I don't even bother resetting them. So I had no means of verifying what time it was. So I start texting pastors because I knew they were up. What time is it really? (laughs) And then I finally just thought, okay, it's early enough that on the old time, the sun would be coming up. On the new time, it won't be. I'll look outside. And the sun was not coming up, and that was when I sort of settled down, and I said, it probably really is this time. Uh, but But it goes to this question of we need trust, right? We need trust. We need to rely on things. And in particular, when we make promises, promises rely on trust. 
That got me thinking about when we learn to make promises. And so much of what we learn about making promises takes place on the elementary school playground. And it takes place, I remember making a lot of promises on the elementary school playground and they were accompanied by these words, cross my heart and hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Well, those were very important words to me as a kid and I thought I better learn where those words came from. So I did some research on that and it turns out cross my heart is a religious oath and it does hearken to the cross. It is to make a a swear on the cross. And then hope to die was supposed to be accompanied with this finger point up. To remind you that, that this is an oath to God and it should be taken seriously. Now, stick a needle in my eye, turns out, comes from the plague days when people were dying so fast and being buried so fast that some of them were being buried alive. So to determine whether you were really dead... Oh, you all know where this is going. That's right. They would stick a needle in your eye. (laughs) So that, that was the sign that you, yes, for real, for real. That's what you mean. Now, we had that promise. Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. And we also had the get out of jail free card. Crossed fingers behind your back, right? Uh, And it turns out that also is a hearkening to the cross. That it does recognize that you've got the cross on your back. And that you know you're going to break that promise. And it is a request for God's forgiveness for the broken promise. So we could cross our heart and hope to die, stick a needle in our eye with our fingers crossed behind our back at the same time. And that's where we learned about promises. We learned as kids that promises are made and promises are broken. And maybe that's why as adults we don't make so many promises because our childhood is full of broken promises. Promises that we thought we were going to keep and then promises that we knew from the get-go we weren't going to. And as adults, we recognize that promises we make carry weighty consequences. And broken promises destroy trust. There are a lot of promises in the Bible as well. Those promises are most often referred to as covenants that are made. And covenants in the ancient world were actually treaties. They set up relationships between nations. And they established the bounds of those relationships and the expectations of those relationships. And when those relationships were broken, people went to war. God makes covenants as well that are also establishing the bounds of relationships. And there are several of them in the Bible. Here they are. There's the covenant with Adam and Eve in the first few chapters of Genesis. The covenant with Noah in Genesis 9. The covenants with Abram in 15 and 17 of Genesis. The covenant with Moses in Exodus 19. The covenant of the priesthood in Numbers 25. The covenant with David, which I just read from 2 Samuel 7. 
The new covenant mentioned in Jeremiah 31 and the fulfillment of that new covenant in Jesus Christ. And as I mentioned, those establish the bounds of our relationship with God. But they are, first of all, you got to ask, why so many covenants? If God is so faithful, why do we have to have so many covenants? Well, it's because God allows for free will. And we keep choosing to cross our fingers behind our back and break those covenants. But even within them, you have to wonder, like this Davidic covenant that I just read to us is going to get broken right away. Right away. Because in this covenant is promise from, of rest from battle and David's enemies and promise of an eternal dynasty. In the very next chapter, David goes to war. So much for rest from your enemies. And then the dynasty doesn't look like it lasts very long because it's within two generations that they've torn themselves to shreds and we will have the two, the two kingdoms. So it doesn't look like not only were we not faithful, but what God, you made this promise. What happened to it? Well, again, I, I turn back to God always gives us free will within that. And David did not choose a path of peace. And David's children did not choose a path where God was at the center. But God plays the long game in God's covenants. And in fact, ultimately, God did bring David to peace and rest from his enemies. And... God fulfilled the Davidic promise of a legacy, of a dynasty that holds for all eternity in bringing us all into the family of Christ and making Christ that great inheritor and then the one that passes on to all of us that promise. God is faithful. God holds up God's end in the long run. But us? Not so much. As I mentioned, David does not choose peace. We do not know what would have come for David if David would have just been an agent of peace instead of an agent of war. And maybe the world around him wouldn't have let him be an agent of peace. And he certainly contributed quite a bit to the dysfunction in his family in which the children then, as I mentioned, tear apart the dynasty. We're not so good at that and holding to that promise. And we have that tension today in our denomination. When I visit with people about the United Methodist Church, they have all kinds of questions about where our church stands in the midst of all of this division. And I've shared with them, we have no plans to leave the United Methodist Church. We are holding, we are staying, we are remaining in covenant. And yet, Hearing the stories of the churches around us that are tearing themselves apart, people are hesitant to invest in the long-term reality of this church. Because if they give funds to this church, who's to say that one day that won't be used to tear people apart? Well, I can promise you this, my friends. I can't promise you that it won't be. Because people are still in charge and people still make interesting decisions. 
Not always faithful decisions. But the other thing that I can promise you is that God remains faithful within it and God works it to good. God turns it. All of those poor decisions that we made, God's playing the long game and ultimately brings things to good. I have to share that, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to be a pastor and not preach about covenant. Covenant is such a dominant theme throughout our Bible. And yet, I have dreaded this day for two years. I have dreaded the day of coming to you and preaching about covenant. One of the great things that I love about our denomination is that we are a grace-filled denomination. And we recognize that things do fall apart. And we love people through that. But as your faith leader, I like to hold myself to a standard that I failed on. Because I'm divorced. And while we do not judge people for being divorced in this denomination, I knew one day I would have to come before you and say, I failed at a very important covenant. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just my husband. And it was a lot of complicating factors that led us to that place. But it led us to that place nonetheless. And ultimately, I think it was the right decision because we are both thriving in ways that we couldn't have. But it's still, still a failure. And I want to share with you that in the midst of coming to terms with the fact that I was likely going to be divorced, some of you know that I write for the Methodist curriculum for the whole denomination. And by what looked like a twist of fate, but now very much feels like God's guiding hand within it, I ended up having an assignment to write for both the daily Bible study and the adult Bible study student guide in the month in which they were dealing with the theme of covenant. Which meant while my covenant was peeling apart, I had to write 36 lessons on covenant. It felt like I was in front of the chalkboard writing, I will not make these mistakes again. You know, <laughs> um, but, but what I found in the midst of that was that, first of all, it gave me a depth of reflection that I needed for myself and my soul. But it also showed me that we're all going to fail at covenants. And now I know what that feels like. And I can walk alongside people who have been through that pain and that heartache and that hurt. And that's God's redemptive power working through that moment. The other thing that I knew as I made my way through those 36 lessons was that God never left me. God never left me. God stayed faithful through it all. God knows what God is getting into when God makes a covenant with us. God knows us. David said it. You know your servant. God knew who David was when God made the covenant that God did. Knew David was broken. Knew David had lots of issues. And yet God was faithful in the midst of that anyway. 
So let's return to that playground where we have crossed our fingers behind our back. And remember that that hearkens to the cross. Which was the ultimate failure of a covenant on our part. When God met us with life, we chose death. When God met us with love, we chose hate. And yet on the other side of that cross, on the other side of that broken promise, God said, I'm still here. And I'm still choosing life for you. And I'm still choosing love for you. I'm still choosing redemption and restoration and resurrection. I'm still here and you're still in relationship with me because I still love you. I still love you. And you are still my family. You are in this legacy. You are part and parcel of the heirship of Christ. You know, I learned something when I was looking into these crossing fingers and crossing my heart. That there was a poem. And I couldn't tell if the poem made Cross My Heart and Hope to Die more popular or if it just capitalized on the popularity of it. But I think it's aspirational for us. I think it is our hope in the midst of this. That when we confront this faithful God, when we see... The links that he will go to to stand with us. I think we can say this with all of that hope. Cross my heart and hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye. Wait a moment. I spoke a lie. I never really wanted to die. But if I may and if I might, my heart is open for tonight. Though my lips are sealed and a promise is true, I won't break my word, my word to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at FUMC Bentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.